Well, hello and welcome to Manx Radio's countryside. Manx Radio's oh, countryside Manx Radio, is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Clark and well, what a worrying week it was. The boat wouldn't sail. They thought the Isle of Man was going to close, Kiri, wasn't it? It really was, I suppose, for your toilet rolls. It was maybe a bit of a panic, but uh, for local produce, there's still an abundance of it here. Yes, and uh, we've got a lot of information, uh, talking to a lot of people involved in that and touching on it uh, in today's Countryside programme because, firstly, um, a couple of weeks ago we heard the Minister for Defa, Geoffrey Boot, give a, a talk and presentation about the 10-year agricultural plan and the, the consultation that's been put forward. And, of course, they're waiting for feedback from the Isle of Man farmers and you got the feedback so far from the Farm National Farmers Union here in the island. That's right. Brian Brumby had a, an overview. He's a collective voice of the Manx farming industry. And um, he said it is a bit uncertain times with, with Brexit ahead, but he is urging farmers to get in touch about the consultation and um, made the point that uh, food security is an absolute must You know, to be sustainable here on the Isle of Man. So if the ferry doesn't go, that we have the right amount of produce to, to feed our nation. I know 85,000 is a lot of people to feed but it's not out of the question you know we, we can support that quite easily yeah, i've done a week on vegetables really yeah what's come over you <laughs> say no more about that but it'll soon change and also i speak to uh, andrew newton the leader of the isle of man green party just to get uh, an insight into what the isle of man green party is all about and what their aims are it's nice to see the younger people getting involved with the climate change but also to hear andrew talking about the, the farming industry and how essential it is for for local produce food miles and and people worrying about their health and what they're eating and we can provide a great product here on the island on their doorstep and i'll not give too much away uh, about quiches my they, word they are connected with donkeys along the way but john dog collister from kurt michael will be telling us more near the end of the program of what that's all about so sit back and enjoy this week's countryside <laughs> Well, we've got a bit of a mixed bag on this week's Countryside programme, Kerry. Firstly, a couple of weeks ago, we heard from the Minister of DEFA, Geoffrey Boot, uh, talking about the consultation they had and the presentation about the 10-year agricultural plan on the island. You got a chance to get a reply. I caught up with the President of the Manx National Farmers Union, Brian Brumby, to hear what the farmers are feeling around the countryside and how the year is going into 2019. Uh, as you well know, the agricultural industry had a bad summer last year, or a bad winter even the year before, and then a bad summer. On top of that, the pressures have probably eased a little bit with a very mild winter. We're now waiting and hoping for an early spring and uh, get ourselves back on a good footing then. But the upshot of it, of shortage of forage and bedding, is stock values have struggled, so... We, we're not in the greatest of place at the moment, but hopefully in another month with a bit of green grass and some warm weather, things will start to improve. That, that is very true. It was a very difficult year, but uh, like you say, spring is around the corner, Brian. The meat plant seems a little more stable now. Farmers seem to be enjoying better returns. I know there's a bit of an issue with the stagger and a waiting process. This makes farmers a little bit more forward thinking with their bookings. Yeah, farmers have got to help the meat plant and be professional, um, but the meat plant also, part of the original deal 12 months ago that was discussed in the tripartite meetings, was for them to find strategic partners which will help them take more 
stopped through the plant. Uh, up to the present, they've struggled to find that, and we're still putting pressure on them to go down that route and find these strategic partners. We, we as Manx farmers can produce these, these stock, and we need routes to market for these stock, and the best route to market is through the Alaman meats, and so the pressure's on them to find the markets. Brexit hasn't really helped. Yeah, it's it's not been easy in the last couple of months, as, as everybody in the farming side will know. There's a stagger on intake on beef on the island, which couldn't come at a worse time because, as I've just said, with spring coming up, there's a lot of costs in agriculture. As as we move into growing a fresh lot of crops this year. So cash flows are going to be greatly affected and put pressure on. So the Irish with Brexit, uh, they've been very scared that come the 29th of March, if we leave with a no deal, there'll be a 50% tariff on them importing to the UK. So they have basically slaughtered and processed just about everything they can ahead of time to avoid that tariff if that is the case and it appears to be the case which is what's flooding the market at the moment come april may logic tells you there should be a shortage going the other way and i believe with the brexit looming you know is it going to happen what what is going to happen what, what, how does our farmers sit here on the island brian well it's impossible to tell um i the UK government doesn't even know where Brexit's going and all the European Parliament at the moment. Uh, we have got this date of 29th of March. What one suspects that's going to be extended at the moment, which will put more doubt into everybody's mind. What business needs is stability and clear direction so, so they can work around that framework. And that's the one thing we haven't got at the moment. And... As far as the Isle of Man is concerned, um, agriculture is going to be the area most affected with Brexit because it's the one area that is actually tied in directly to European policy. Now, it is worrying times ahead, but what do you suggest to the farmers uh, to do to prepare themselves here on the island? As far as the farming is concerned, you, you've still just got to carry on farming and you carry on doing the best practice and aiming to be profitable with Brexit or without Brexit. There's still going to be financial pressures on producing for a market. Uh, currently, we don't know what that market is, but you can be assured there'll be uh, price pressure within that market. Yeah. And now with DEFO, you know, it's rolled out its 10-year strategy plan. You know, how, what is this and how, how is this going to affect the farmers here? The broad outlines of this uh, new ADS scheme uh, is broadly supported by the Manx MNFU. It, it came originally 12 months ago when the industry rejected uh, the the department's proposal on headage payments and uh, a counter-proposal went back to the department about supporting the active farmer. We're very conscious of maintaining public support for agriculture. You will have heard uh, people talking about paying farmers for doing nothing, uh, the money going not to the farmer but into the landowner's pockets. 
And so the outline of this scheme and supporting active pharma moves us away from that. And so it makes it more justifiable for the support going into agriculture that it's going to the right people for the right reasons. And do you feel with the support now, it seems it's going more environmentally friendly. We've achieved the UNESCO biosphere without any of the changes to the environmental side. How are farmers feeling about this? You know, is it is it something that really needs to happen because obviously we've achieved it without it? Farmers, are they at unrest with it? Should it be more on the food security on the island? Yeah, the, the environmental element, again, is about public support. I'm sure if our minister just went to Treasury and asked for more money for farmers, it would be a very hard sell. If he goes to Treasury and asks for some money towards the environment, um, that's better public supported and more justifiable. And yes, we, we have a biosphere and a lot of people forget that that we have already been awarded the biosphere where people are taking that as what have we got to do to have a biosphere but as i say we we have already got the biosphere but having said all that going forwards the environmental side of the island or the environmental side of the world is important climate change global warming etc are all there and we've got to be seen to be doing our bit to support the environment because it's, it's not just us it's future generations as well but having but we as farmers have, are very bad at getting our message across on, or our story and it's going to be our focus at the shows this year that actually the beef and lamb produced on the island is green it's it's pasture fed and you take into account the sequestration of carbon through the growing grass which is an element that's never the scientists never seem to include in their calculations and you take that in and the carbon footprint from the beef and lamb produced on island used on island is a lot lower than shipping exotic fruit and vegetables and flying them around the world for to put on supermarket shelves and we've got to get that story and that message across to the general public and the buying public so if farmers um you know looking at the strategy now they can have their say they can put their fears or it's all up for grabs still yeah the consultation that's currently out we've got an outline direction which is supporting the active farmer reducing the basic payments over three years uh, by, a, by a slight amount each year but with match funding from Treasury then on, on the accumulated funds uh, opening up what we call the uh, historically called the FIS grants the improvement schemes and there'll be a lot more opportunity for investment through through these grants in infrastructure in skills and in technology and ultimately farming is never going to get any easier we have a lot of a lot of people that are having a tough time but if you want to remain farming in the future you know, you've got to invest and go forward and get better I, and just doing the same thing or 
end up with the same result. So the opportunity with this new scheme going forward as, as we see it, that there, there is the opportunity to invest and to improve and make the farm more profitable. So how do you see young people coming into farming, Brian? Yeah, we still have the agricultural course. There's still grants available for young entrants. Yeah, and we believe it's very uh, important for the young people and on the education side uh, to get a formal agricultural education before they actually come home and start the farming, to get off the island, to look, to look at what other people are doing and... You know, we're glad that the Isla Man College and the agricultural students going in there, they've linked up with the Myersco College in Lancashire to to get those students off Ireland, albeit for a short period. But hopefully that will lead you know to bigger and and better things. And in in my career, um, I'd left school and yeah went to college and worked on various different farms and progressed through being a herdsman and a herd manager, etc. And some of the farms I went on, I learnt as much of what not to do as <laughs> what to do. But it's it's all part of an education and I, and I wouldn't claim I get everything right now, but but it's all part of that education. Yeah, and I think that's right, Brian, in the fact that now you have to be business focused. It isn't just you get up in the morning and you you go out in the fields and you do a bit of something with the sheep. You need to have a plan. You need to have a business plan. You need to know where your livestock's going to market, when it's going, and, and have all your crop rotation there as, as business focused as you can be. Yeah, and you know, farming, in many ways, you've got to be a... Uh, a mix of being a scientist, a biologist, a veterinarian and an accountant and ought to pull all these things together to make your business profitable and uh, working efficiently. So Brian, just lastly, for the consultation of the 10-year strategy plan, how do farmers go about replying to DEFA? Yeah, the, the consultation is online at the moment. It's open until... Uh, the first week, end of the first week of April. So I, I would encourage people to look at that and engage with that process. We have got a direction of travel, but there's very little meat on that bones. And so the farmers have got a great opportunity at the moment to, to engage in this process and, and help direct where it goes. The one area where we're put into the department, yes, we can go forward with this new ADS scheme um, and produce the products, and I'm, I'm confident the Isle of Man can produce a lot more from its agricultural sector, uh, which will be for the benefit of the island and its GDP. But it's no good producing these products if we haven't got routes to markets. And, and it's not just... Uh, the Isle of Man meats. We, we have in the past, we were growing 2,000 tonnes of oats uh, for making into porridge oats and the price dropped on oats and when you take in the cost of shipping on the boat, it, that, that has all but disappeared again. And, and they're the routes to market that we need in connecting into the UK market 
so that so that we can compete competitively. That was Brian Brumby, the president of the Manx National Farmers Union. A little bit uncertain the future, I suppose, Kerry, isn't it? It is, with Brexit just around the corner. And uh, like Brian says, he's urging farmers to dig in and keep business focused. And uh, like he says, he's wanting farmers to get up, get to defer and put their points forward for the consultation. It's all to play for. Um, there is no real direction at the moment, but he really, really urges the farmers to get their thoughts in there and to make a difference. Indeed. Well... Last week, um, Andrew Newton, the leader of the Green Party here on the island, was a guest on Sunday's Perspective programme. While he was up there, I managed to get a chat, not too political with him, about what the Green Party's aims are and what they're all about. The Green Party was formed in my living room at the time of the house in August 2016. So uh, coming up for two, um, three years, <laughs> sorry, yeah. uh, of the party. And... Um, uh, at that time, there was 15 founding members, and now it's it's grown and building interest. And the salient concept or philosophy of the party is sustainability. So the, the constitution says that the object of the party is the to strive for and promote and conceive policies for the sustainable future for the society, for the economy, for the ecology, and for the environment of the Isle of Man. So it's you know we look at things that have happened on the Isle of Man before you know the Isle of Man Friends of the Earth and groups like that. But this, this is more I suppose in the political side of it, is it? Uh, absolutely, yeah. and I mean people might be aware that the Isle of Man traditionally hasn't had party politics, but yet it has had these very very valuable, very important groups like Manx Wildlife Trust, uh, Woodland Trust, Friends of the Earth. Um, the preservation for the society, which has been around since the 1930s. Um, and, and these have been really fundamental groups uh, connecting their society with the environment that we live in that's been celebrated by the biosphere accolade. And so that was really important to connect them. But then in my eyes, as I was a member of the Green Party of England Wales when I was at university and came back to the island and uh, recognised that there was this lack of connection then with policies for the governance so how we introduce policies and groups like Fenders of the Earth lobby the government to to bring about changes that they see are positive for the environment and the ecology in the Isle of Man but I, I saw that there was a lack of an actual institution a party politic to go these are our policies that can be informed by Manx Wildlife Trust, Friends of the Earth and the wider society that we're going to be elected on and going to put forward to, for change in the future um, so it was an extra piece in the jigsaw of the complexity of the Isle of Man. Yeah, I suppose when when you look at all the groups that you've mentioned there, I suppose it was difficult for them all to put their view forward one at a time in a way where this can be more of a collective venture. Absolutely. that, And we can be a part, of, and all those groups are valuable and they all do distinct things and they all have distinct objects, but we could be... Um, a conduit, a, a channel for all of their views to come together in a like-minded philosophy, sustainability being that central concept, and then put forward those policies through that lens. Yeah. So uh, how have these other groups uh, taken to it? Yeah, so, I mean, 
Um, our membership's growing, so people are free to join the party. Um, you can find out more on our website, www.greenparty.im, about the party, what it does, and, and how to join. You can join through the website. So so members have joined, and, and groups have engaged with us on specific issues. Like, I can think of, uh, we've had approaches recently on building regulations, for example, and um, what's the Green Party's view on this? And, and if we're going to go into an election, what will we be saying about these specific building regulations which are important for things like uh, um, efficiencies and uh, capturing heat um, and uh, I can think of other examples uh, well Max Woodland Trust they do invaluable um, work planting trees every weekend we shared a post through our, our Facebook page last week about them planting trees um, and again there's members who attend those groups and be part of that so there's some crossover between groups yeah, and and one thing that I've noticed recently is that, you know, we, we sort of tend to to place this in in the, some of the older group society who've got more time on the hands and things to look at all of this, but a lot of the the younger people in in the Isle of Man and worldwide are getting involved in it, aren't they? Absolutely, we, we saw that last Friday when um, we had the protests i say of um, students school students around the world but also in the isle of man coming together on issues that they feel are important for the sustainable future of the isle of man but also the global society that we're a part of and, and we shouldn't forget that global society as well when last week we saw um our, our, our food um establishments the boat didn't sail so we didn't have food and and that connected us with a global connection but also connect uh, provide another opportunity to connect ourselves with our own followers I mean, communities and, and the value that they can add and um, providing food for our society. So, um, yes, it was really good to see the students coming out on these important issues. And and certainly they students have engaged with us. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram and we have a website. So we have lots of sh- young people, members of society having the opportunity to engage with politics that, as you rightly said, historically might have been seen as this convoluted concept for all the people in society to do it later on in their careers but that's been turned on its head by these opportunities and technology yeah and when you look around what what are the the main worries do they differ from the younger generation to the older generation well i i think um again with technology society has the opportunity to inform itself about these complex issues climate change being a the key one that being a very complex issue but then it's no longer uh, distinct between parts of society. All society has the same opportunity to access this, this information, uh, and there can be misinformation out there, and we certainly see that around the climate change uh, sceptics debate. Um, but it can really inform people equally to um, to be to give them the information to identify what they should be passionate about and and take forward. And and the Isle of Man Green Party is just providing that conduit to uh, for society to come together and speak through. Yeah, and it gives you that platform. I mean, you don't need to go out and on the streets, your party, and, and demonstrate and things like that because you can do it in a proper, structured manner through the political channels. You're absolutely right, and, and protesting is fundamental as well, but obviously the Isle of Man Green Party running candidates in election, hoping that the society will recognise that and elect those candidates in elections. And then it gives us another avenue to affect change within society, not only protesting, which is fundamental, but also putting forward meaningful proposals in the uh, the political forums for change and to recognise that, the politicians recognising the support of that. And also having a membership base behind 
a political institution is important because also you've got people holding you to account about what you're saying, but also informing you, providing a wealth of information. And, and that's a very efficient process at, at building up important um, thought out policies for the future of the Isle of Man dealing with these complex issues. Yeah, I suppose it does make it uh, a lot more honest in a way because uh, like you rightly said you're there speaking on a political um, platform on it and you know you have to have the right facts and information available don't you well absolutely and, and speaking on behalf of the party i'm a spokesman for the party but i'm being held to account by the party for what i'm saying and uh, and that's important and also sharing in that philosophy that concept of sustainability which i would say is an important concept of, for society and for, especially in the isle of man recognizing all these things sustainability how we do things and and what the decisions now we make and how will that impact our future and again around the farming aspect and the uh, the, the food that we provide for our society and the reliance we place on imports and uh, th this is an important time to recognise that and uh, and um, take consideration of that in the events last week. Yeah, we survived the two days. There, yeah. was, there was nothing coming in from the island, didn't we? Yeah, just about, yeah. <laughs> it is. And just uh, reiterate how people can get more information on the Isle of Man Green Party, Andrew. Yes, yeah, so we're on Facebook, Isle of Man Green Party. We're on Twitter as well, and we're on Instagram. And uh, all those sources can be accessed through our website, which is www.greenparty.im and um, that's updated with information and we post on social media about our next party meeting which i think is on the 28th of march if that's the thursday in peel and we'll be putting that through and you can join our email list as a member or if you just want to be an interested person you don't have to be a member to be on the email list as well and you can do that through our website just filling on the online form and sending us your details and um, we keep members and non-members regularly updated about what we're doing Leader of the Isle of Man Green Party, Andrew Newton, there with uh, just telling us a little bit about what the Green Party are about and what their aims are, because, you know, this, of course, the news stories at the moment, Kiri, with people um, talking about uh, curriculums in the school to do with global warming and stuff. So it's big topics at the moment, isn't it? It really is, especially at primary school level. You know, these children are so passionate and they're really, really getting under the skins of these children to say how how important our climate is, our environment that we live in, and to make a difference in the future. And yeah, they're taking the bull by the horns and they're out, you know, doing their little bit, aren't they, around the countryside and within the schools? Yes, they are. Good for them. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, not long before uh, the Isle of Man Young Farmers concert, Kiri. Oh, a really exciting few days on the way up to the, the start of it on Thursday. I bet those village halls uh, have got a story to tell or two. There'll be some shouting and thinging, won't they? Oh, Get they this will. made in the last minutes and... <laughs> I wouldn't say they made some of them through on together, aren't they? They some really of the props, are. Right? But that's what makes it, isn't it, Simon? It's the, the team coming together behind the scenes to make them props. You know, they do fail, they do fall apart, but they rally on through it, don't yes, they? Yes, indeed. And that's, of course, this uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Um, and then the following week here on Manx Radio, we'll dedicate Countryside to uh, what happened on the night and uh, speak to all the clubs, the judges and uh, all the people involved in making it uh, a wonderful success that it always is every year. 
Well, one success that's been uh, in the Isle of Man have been the bumby cages and all sorts of baskets uh, made by John Dog and people over the years. Uh, John Dog Collison, Kurt Michaels, one of the people who have uh, kept this enterprise going, I suppose, uh, using the willow from the hedgerows of the Isle of Man uh, to create these things. But uh, if I told you what a quiche was, would you know? No, I would have thought it'd be part of a uh, picnic lunch, maybe. Well, indeed. Here's John Doug Colster to tell us more about this new project he's been involved in. It's it's a bit of a long story. Uh, a lady sent me uh, a link to somebody, a, a lady in Scotland who makes things called kishies, K-I-S-H-I-E-S, kishies. They're like baskets that go on the side of a pony. And uh, so it was an interesting uh, website, so I was looking at this, and I, I, I sent her a, an email or a link or whatever, <laughs> and I explained where I lived and what I did and how we had a, a, a like history over here making creels in the fishing industry and so on. So she sent back, and she said, well, have you ever made a kishi? I said, well, I wouldn't never heard of a kishi till now. So anyway, the short story is she said she gets people asking all the time, and she's too busy to make any. Was I interested? So I said, well, I've never made any, but if you send me some information, we'll have a look. So next thing, another lady called Helen, who's from Kilree in Scotland, got in touch. And she said, would I make her two kishis and how much? Well, I didn't know what they were. So I said, well, I maybe have a go. You send me sizes, uh, you know, what it, and what it wants to look like. So as you can see, basically it's a D shape. The flat piece at the back is 16 inches, and I work in inches too. Flat bit at the back is 16 inches, and then the D goes out to 16 inches from the centre. They, they sit on the pony on like an A-frame that's called a clibber. These are all words that I've only just learned. A clibber, it's, it's sort of like an A-frame. It has pegs on it, and, and then you rope the, the kishis on either side. So that's why she wanted two, uh, two the same size as well. So if you load them up, they're equally weighted, balanced. You see these all around the world, though, in, in, in the poorer yes. countries, I suppose, where you see the baskets on the size the yeah. size of the donkey for carrying the transport yeah. and things. I mean, are they all made of these types they, of materials? Well, is, they, These ones willow, are they? This yeah. is willow. This is, uh, and as you can see, there's different colours, different uh, uh, makes of willow, different uh, types of willow, uh, which have different colours, and I put that in to give a little bit of contrast and, and make it look smart. And uh, the other thing I've done is I've used different weaves uh, so that visually they you get uh, you know different colours, different uh, patterns, and and I think it's it's easy on the eye. Now looking around your work area here, you've got lots of different types of uh, uh, willow and all sorts of uh, things in the countryside that are probably just grown wild, I suppose. Yeah, well, it's all uh, most of it is hedgerow stuff. I was pointy on the ground. I got alum, uh, hawthorn, ash, uh, and some uh, cherry, which if you make a basket and put these in, uh, they they have like a, a you know particular texture and, and, and color and finish, and, and they look different. Uh, but different willows, uh, are some of the willows are very pliable, malleable, whatever the correct term is, and... When you make a basket, you've got two folds in the ones that are the uprights. You've got a fold at the bottom. It goes in the base and then has a 90-degree fold to go up the side. And then it has another fold at the top, folds 90-degree sideways, and then you form the rim around the top. Now, not all willows will bend that 90-degree without snapping. So you use specific willows, which will bend 
and and so on for the uprights and uh, then i can use within reason you can use anything to weave round about and i've used all sorts i've used uh, uh, palm leaves you know right. yeah palm leaves and uh, i've used bits of rope to to weave round and so on so it's see some palm leaves in the back there it's uh, it's just different colors it it all adds to the uh the interest yeah you know i mean is, does the willow change from different parts of the island uh well i think this like the most of the hedgerow willow is is like a i think it's the correct term is gray willow and it's not fantastic for weaving but it's it's okay it's useful enough some of these willows in a year they'll grow 12 foot really they're as thick as your thumb at the bottom which is too thick for, for lots of things but it's as thick as your thumb at the bottom and it's 12 foot long and and hardly a branch on it you know hardly a, a sprig on it now others uh, some of these hedgerow things they, they they sprout like a tree from from the start so they're not much use is that because they're getting cut regularly well it? it's you see when you they pollard uh, uh, is, that, is that the game terminology pollard they they cut willows back each year if you if you're a dealing in willow everything is cut right back to the base and then it sends out rods wands all sorts of different names and you you then harvest them at the back end if you don't harvest them the next year what's grown as a single wand will then sprout into a tree so a lot of these things you have to harvest them each year and uh you, as you can see some of these things i've got some in the corners like 10 foot and and these things will grow that long so specific willows there's some that will grow like four foot and they're not quite the size of a pencil and they grow four foot now other willows if you grow four foot from the tip to the base the base can be as, as fat as your little finger or even one of your fingers and and really that's a bit thick to be weaving so so you might have four foot but you'll have to cut you know a foot off it for it to be sort of useful so you end up with three foot now the longer they are uh is obviously the better and easier they are to use so but you can they have different colors and and, and different textures so you, you use a whole lot of different stuff but uh, but the certain willows and i i can't tell you where they are because i'd have to kill everybody on the isle of man <laughs> anybody's listening i'd have to kill them but the certain willows that are a particular maker willow uh and are not well up on all these different makes that as I say, are wonderful to work with. Uh, they, they're pliable, they bend easily, you can tie knots in them if you wanted to, and they're, they're thin, so you've got a lot of length and they're not too thick, and you you know you can use them uh, to make nice baskets. But I like character, and a lot of these things may be short and stumpy, but they've got character. Well, looking at the kishi that you've completed here, well, there's two of them. I mean, they're about probably two foot high or so. I mean, how long would these take to make? They're... Uh, the first one, the second one went a bit easier. First one, I was trying to solve lots of problems as they arose. So, probably a day and a half. The first one. No, not too bad then. No, uh, I had all the willow here. If you could argue if if somebody said how much will it cost? Well, you would include going to source the willow. Mm -hmm. You know, might be half a day in that, and so you can put a half a day on the top of that, and so on. But uh, I'm I'm not doing it for for profit i'm just doing it because i'm interested and this lady got in touch with me 
and uh, she might give me something. I haven't, I'm not, I've said to her, I'm not charging her, but when I go over there, she might give me money for petrol and this yeah. and the other. But when you look at the, you know, you've spent years making different things and going around uh, to schools and having events here in yeah. Michael Village, showing yeah. people how to make little things. Yeah. And any variation, I suppose, is an interest to you as well. Oh, I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my next thing, I, I'm, I must find out about creels. Uh, and, and see, Creels, which I think are like lobster pots and yeah, well they 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 what they used to uh, they used to take the heron off the boat in creels they were all a specific size so that if everyone was sitting on the, the quayside full they would probably have what they call a form or a shape that they would make them uh, round so that they were all more or less the same size within reason so if they were full to the brim you would know there was x amount of i think cran weren't they uh, uh, the the willow was uh, the heron was was measured in so i'd like to uh, my next thing is I'll, I'll have a look at a, a creel and see how a creel's done but uh, there's all sorts of different uh, way i think a creel is open weave instead of like my basket it's solid you've got the uprights and there's weave all the way from the bottom to the top but i think a creel might have some weave at the bottom and then the uprights there's like they're fairly close together and there's no weaving there they're kind of open probably to let water out more easily and so on so uh i'm only talking off the top of my head here because i i, I want to go and get a look and get some photographs and sizes and then uh have a have maybe have a go see if i can make a a creel i don't think it'll be useful i don't think any of the boats will be wanting these things nowadays but incidentally, I, I was sent a, an email by a friend uh, and a link to some site, and it's talking about crafts that are disappearing. And there's certain crafts, this is countryside crafts, fishermen's crafts, all sorts of things, and this Kishis is on this list. And what it's saying is nobody's making them anymore. Uh, and there's also like arrows for bows, you know, made by people, bows even and uh, uh, battles, I think there's people making battles, but this sort of old fashioned um, kind of craft, a lot of these things are disappearing. And then there'd be nobody left. To but nobody left. So um, this probably won't look like a proper Keshi, but it's it's what I've made. It's it's the way I could make it. I don't know whether I could make a proper Keshi because I'm, I'm still not that certain how they were made, but I've made, something that resembles the size as she said the way that i know how to make baskets and if it serves the purpose you could argue it it'll do the job and it's and it'll it might be a an adapted kishi well that's it for this week's countryside uh, some some good points there put by brian brumby the president of the isle of man national farmers union and of course andrew newton from the isle of man uh, Green Party. Yeah, both really, really influential on, on the agricultural industry and on how the Isle of Man is shaped as well. And uh, it's really great to see people are passionate about where they live and, and to look after our environment for the next generation. Yeah, and you know more about quiches now. I they certainly are. do. And uh, John Dogg doing a great job of uh, keeping those old traditions alive with the different methods. And, and people can go along and take part in his uh, basket weaving classes as well, can't they? Yes, they can. All right, that's it for this week's Countryside then. Uh, we'll be back with uh, next week's podcast which will be a special uh, all about the uh, 2019 Isle of Man Young Farmers Concert so until next week from me Simon Clark and me Kiri Kermode see you then ta-da bye-bye